This podcast is brought to you by BeatStars, the number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. In this episode, our host DJ Payne One sits down with music producer Bubba Got Beats to discuss what engagement groups are and how they can help you grow as a producer. To our pro page users, don't forget to check out our opportunities and challenges on BeatStars World for a chance to work with some of the industry's best creators. If you're not a ProPage member, but would like to try it out, use the code PODCAST for a 30-day free trial. And of course, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Enjoy the show. What's going down? Let me know if you can hear me all right. Um, I do want to address something that I was talking about in the comments, because uh, I kind of threw something out there, and... It requires a little bit of explanation, so, um, <coughs> excuse me, uh, can I, can I speak, am I, okay, cool, Ben says I'm all good, um, yeah, I was, I was talking about the whole Disney thing, um, and, and these payment portals, what the hell was that, that was a squirrel, there are squirrels wrestling outside of my studio window, um, first, first some, some, uh, announcements about dope things happening in the BeatStars universe. So number one, the Space Outcast Remix Challenge. My friends Larry O and JTech, who I did a whole album with, um, are bringing you a brand new remix challenge for their song Space Outcast. So all you have to do is download the free stems in the acapella and build a beat around it and then enter to win some prizes. Visit beatstars.world forward slash space dash outcast. The link is in the chat. Shout out to whoever posted that. Um, whether I don't know if it's Sydney, I don't know if it's Aaron, but shout out to you. Um, and then also the FL Studio Challenge, which is cool. It's cool to see B Stars team up with FL Studio, and you can win over fifteen hundred dollars worth of prizes by downloading and flipping a sample. And B Stars will be choosing one winner per sample. So make sure to visit beatstars.world forward slash cook cook up. That link is also in the chat, and um, the challenge ends February twenty eighth. Oh yeah, and the um, the other contest ends February twenty sixth. So you have time. You have a couple of weeks. I could see you potentially entering both challenges. Why not? All right, maximize your chances. Uh, so anyway, what I was saying, Bubba is here. He's just his video is is, is off for now. So oh no, there he is. Um, so what I was saying was, and maybe I can I'll bring him in, and maybe he can chime in. Um, a lot of labels. What happened recently with with Disney? I didn't know this this would happen with a sync license because usually when I get sync licenses, I just get paid right away and it's really a smooth process. But what happened with Disney, which is what's happening at the other labels, is that they'll do business with you. You'll 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 give them the beat. You'll deliver them the stems. You'll deliver the master. You'll sign all the paperwork, and then when you ask him. Don't get me started on Walt Disney uh, and his legacy. If you ask for payment, they'll say, okay, wait a minute. Are you are you signed up to the payment portal? And you're like, what's that? You sign up to the payment portal, and they ask you for all types of tax forms, and it's always different. There's there's no uniformity. Um, it's all – it's just – it's funny. Um, so they made me jump through a lot of hoops, but I'm I'm done. Uh, this is a hilarious comment. The music industry is dead. Why are you here? <laughs> Just start a business. I did start a business. Me and Bubba both started our own businesses, and they happen to do to be in the music business. And we're living our best lives, and, and uh, it's really amazing, and, and I'm grateful for it. Uh, so having said that, I'd like to introduce Bubba Got Beats. I'm happy to have him back. This is, I think, your third time with me here, so I really appreciate yeah, you. For sure, man. I'm happy to be back, man. Did you get a new studio space? Your background looks different. Did you just relocate? Yeah, I'm in the same space. I have um, a, a computer on the outside as well, so I have two spots. Oh, you have two studios? Yeah, two little studios, but this is the main one here. What's the, what's the difference between the two? Well, the other one is just a laptop and the, um, the speakers and a little MIDI keyboard. This one has the sound proofing and the big keyboard and everything. Are you now starting to to track vocals in that in that room? Yeah, I do. Okay, because I wanted to talk about that because I saw th- something on Instagram of, of you working 
with some artists. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I want to remind everybody that this is interactive, so by all means, ask questions. <laughs> that was funny. I'm not going to dwell too too much on that comment, but it was funny. Uh, so we're almost a year into the COVID pandemic, um, and I know s- since the first time we spoke, in between the first and second conversations we had, you would quit your IT job and went all in with music, and that was that was before the, the pandemic. How happy are you with that decision now, seeing how everything is playing out? I mean, I'm super happy with it. Like, if I would have never left, I would have never. Um, if I would have never left my job, I would have never gotten to the level I'm at now and, you know, understand business and stuff like that. So I'm happy to be able to elevate myself with, um, with new knowledge. So, And especially since you don't have to really deal with any restrictions because you're just working from home anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's, it actually feels like ironically <clears throat> making, making music and making beats is a pretty stable I mean, once you're established, it's a pretty stable uh, profession compared to. Damn, do we have the same glasses? Um, it's a pretty st- stable <laughs> career choice compared to you know a lot of other, um, a lot of other fields that are that are really affected, unfortunately, by this pandemic. Um, we have questions coming in. I'm, I'm trying to see. Yeah, let's just let's jump into a question quickly because this wasn't one I planned on asking because I'm not on clubhouse um bufo wants to know how you're utilizing clubhouse as you have been active on there well on clubhouse i've been connecting with with other like-minded people and um people that's trying to um do something i've been connected with this group on there called the music hub which they've been um just pretty much helping like under unsigned artists and unsigned producers and um i created a youtube engagement study group on there and i have about 90 people in a group where Every Sunday I go live and I teach them how I use TubeBuddy to upload my videos on YouTube. And then once they go, once they post their posts, I get them engagement as well. So that's what I have done on there so far to be specific. Okay. Is that free to join? Is that an open group? Yeah, you just DM me on, on, on Instagram. Okay. How do people find you on Instagram? It's just at Bubba Got Beats with a Z, right? Yep. Bubba Got Beats with a Z. Okay, cool. Everybody DM him and get some knowledge. I, and I do want to talk about uh, YouTube keyword research and SEO optimization um, as well. Here's a, here's another question that's coming in. Have you noticed any kind of boost as a as a independent producer with the pandemic, or has everything just been pretty consistent? Yeah, I haven't really noticed anything different. So no anything. loss, no gain? No, no loss, no gain. Okay. Um, placements. So the last time we spoke... Of regrettably, I didn't ask you about any of. I don't think the major placements of the platinum and gold records. It looks like I, I see a platinum plaque in, in the background, right? Yeah, that's a gold plaque that it has one platinum now. So I have to order that now. Okay, which song is that? Wrong by Lakeel. Okay, um, tell tell me about that. How did that song come together? How did how did Lakeel get the beat? So that that beat was posted on my YouTube and it had about thirty thousand views on it, and he found the beat on YouTube and he um he just made like a little a uh, little clip on Instagram of him singing to it and it went viral. So he went to the studio and recorded it and then he posted that clip as well, and that went viral as well. So he ended up getting signed off of that that clip as well. And when he got signed off the clip, his label contacted me and then we handled the business on the back end. But yeah, it, it started from him finding it on YouTube and going viral on IG with it, with just a, a regular video of him singing to it. Well, that wasn't your first major placement or was it? Uh, well, it, it is the most major. So, okay. Yeah. What, which label was that, that you dealt with? Cinematic. Oh, cinematic. Yeah. Cinematic out of New York. Um, what was your experience like w- with getting paid through that situation? Was it difficult? Was it easier that was real easy um johnny over at cinematic he's cool super cool so he made it real easy he even flew me out to meet him and everything so it was real dope but um up front i just charged him the 500 dollars up front just like i would charge anybody for the beat you know and i got my lawyer and my lawyer um worked out the percentages on the um the mechanicals and stuff like that and um 
it's been great for me because um, the royalties are coming in now. So, yeah, how, where are you seeing the bulk of the royalties coming in? I, I assume that a lot of it is generated through streams, but what which uh, royalties specifically and, and which agency are you collecting most of those from? I would say it's hard to say specifically, but um, cause, because I have, I, I still have a, an admin deal. But the boat that comes through them is the most boat. You know, I get BMI on my own, I get Sound Exchange on my own. But the, the money that comes from the that the admin goes out and get, which is the sinks and mechanicals and international royalties for the most part, that's the boat. But I haven't really broken down which one of those is more. But how many how many streams has that uh, song gotten? Uh, it's over. It's about two hundred thousand on Spotify. I mean, two hundred million on Spotify. It's about one hundred and fifty million on YouTube. It's, it's it's big. And was that your beat one hundred percent, or did you have a split with a collaborator? Yeah, originally it was my beat on on my own, but the um the label they added an eight hundred eight and uh eight hundred eight and a another another string in there. So there was some splits, but it wasn't no like I split it down the middle with them. You know, my lawyer worked that out as well, where I got the majority still. Okay, got it. Uh, and then what was what was your other recent uh, major placement? I know you have another plaque, I believe, right? Well, I don't have another plaque, but I do have a song with um, Lil TJ and YMW Melody. It was on Lil TJ's EP. And um, who else? I have to look myself. But those did, are... That EP didn't go gold. I thought that EP got certified. I don't know, honestly. I have to check. I haven't even thought about it or even looked looked at it. Cause the song it the song capped up a couple million views with like six, seven million views between the two of them on YouTube that is. So What's let's let's talk about that situation then. So who who got the beat whose song is it? It's is Melly's or it's it's Lil TJ song. How did he get the beat? He got it from YouTube. Okay. So he found it on YouTube, and turns out he had been rapping on my beats on YouTube because I found like three three other old songs of his on there that he done to my beat unofficially. But um, he found the beat on YouTube, and his A and R in Colombia reached out to me and wanted to work out something for the beat. So the same situation, my lawyer worked out the terms, and I charged him the five hundred up front, and we got it done. Damn, Colombia probably loves you for for charging only five hundred. Yeah, I, I just be wanting the terms to be right, and you know, whatever makes it easier for my lawyer. You know, if he tells me to change anything, when I I will. But in the meantime, my thing is I don't want to be charging. Like I charge five hundred online, and then I don't want to say, hey, you got to give me two thousand. So, but you know, we're gonna work on that. Uh, so with with the um, with the Lakel placement and the little TJ placement. Are you in contact? I mean, these these are big artists. Are you in contact with them on an ongoing basis, working with them on an ongoing basis? No, not for the most part, but I'm in contact with LaKel more. You know, TJ just says like one or two words, but, you know, man, LaKel, we'll speak here and there when, when, when he's ready to work. But other than that, we're just not friends and stuff like that. Okay, got it. Um, so you recently had a, a song go viral, uh, which was... DJ Diddy featuring Lil Excel. How oh, yeah. did how did that song happen? I I knew I knew of Lil Excel because of a really unfortunate mm-hmm. situation that we'll get into. And actually, our the MEC podcast this morning touched on some of that. Uh, I don't. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Um, I, I, I want I want your input on that. But yeah, I didn't. I, I wasn't a, too aware of Lil Excel or DJ Diddy. So how mm-hmm. how did that song happen? Well, Lil Zell, man, me and Lil Zell have been cool. I think he became a fan of mine through Lil Kel, because I believe he, he looked up to Lil Kel originally, and he became a fan of mine, and we kind of locked in, and Lil Zell, we always had a, he always just picked up the phone and FaceTimed me anytime, so, you know, I have a closer relationship with Lil Zell than I, than I do with Lil Kel, so he literally would call me and tell me what he needs, and I'll just make it or give it to him. Okay, I butchered his name. It's Lil Zell. Um, is Lil Zell signed or is he is he unsigned and doing it all himself? Uh, he has a team. I believe he's still independent. Okay, I don't know 
This is an interesting question. What do you think of Little Uzi's diamond? Damn. <laughs> I don't. Okay, there we go. Good answer. Um, so th- that that was another relationship that that started just by you uploading beats online. Right, and that particular beat was a was a YouTube beat too. That uh, Monopoly beat, and I took it down. And um, he was um, working with Diddy at the time, and we got it all worked out where we did a song together. But I believe now he works independently from DJ Diddy. So okay, but then but you're working with him pretty regularly. Then sending how how does that work? You just send beats, or does he just check yeah. your YouTube now, or how does that he, work? He literally just called me like the other day. I was in the studio, and he just called me. Like, I need this vibe, and I just made it for him on the phone and sent it to him. So yeah, it's cool. That's that's because he's really young, right? He's still a teenager, right? Yeah, he's, he's young. He may be eighteen now, but he's young. Even if he's nineteen, that's still a teenager. Uh, he and he recently posted Lil Zell recently posted a clip of a song on his Instagram that you produced. I believe that was this month, and then right. you re, or maybe it was last month. You re, you reposted it, mm-hmm. and I think your caption was "Drop it." <laughs> it was like right, two yeah. words. It was very direct. Has that song come out? Did he listen to? Nah, he didn't listen to me. But we have it's like five of those that we have that's never been dropped. So I, like every time I see it that he mentioned, I'm like, man, drop it, bro. Yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, you artists. So uh, here we go. Speaking of Lil Zell, um, he had a, a viral hit with the "Let Me Know" song, and that's at what 15? I think it's at 15 million YouTube views right now. Um, and there is apparently. I'm not on the inside. There's apparently a lawsuit surrounding that song. Um, I don't know if you know about that. I don't. So there is another situation unfolding. There's a Rolling Stone article that came out recently um, centered around an artist by the name of Caleb Hearn who went viral on TikTok for a song and a gentleman by the name of Jacob Goldman who runs a label purchased a buyout for the beat mm-hmm. and um knowing he, he bought the beat because he saw how successful the song was so he wanted in on it mm-hmm. and it, it got bad because they you know uh caleb felt like that was predatory behavior and refused to work with him and just ended up making a new song uh re-releasing the song but recording it to a different beat and the same guy, the same Jacob Goldman guy, uh, is apparently taking legal action against Lil Zell because he did the same thing to him with the, the Let Me Know song. He went out, saw how successful that song was, and bought that beat from the producer of the beat. Mm-hmm. And so it feels like that's going to start happening a lot more with the virality of songs mm-hmm. on the one hand, and then the fact that a lot of these artists whose songs go viral might not know anything about the business. They're just brand new and they, you know, they have the right music, but they, they're just inexperienced. I feel like something similar happened in a way to Tentos, right. where a label bought the master rights and then a publisher mm-hmm. bought the publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we talked about that, but, but tell me a little bit about that. How, how did that, come about you know give, give me a timeline of when you released the, the the song when it went viral or sorry when you released the beat when it went mm-hmm. viral and then the labels and publishers started reaching out and, and how you made the right decision and reflecting on that decision what you what you felt about that whole situation yeah um i released that beat um around june august 2016 and um it went viral maybe like three four weeks after you know the peak of it not the peak of it but you know the initial going viral like two three weeks after it being uploaded and about october november is when the phone call was coming because i closed the first with universal i closed it right before the end of the year as well with sony because it both of them started on um january 1st 2017. so the calls came in october november and then, you know, when I closed with Universal and Sony, you know, the other calls went away. But um, ultimately, man, I'm still grateful of it because I learned a lot from it. But um, I really ain't got no, no regrets about it. 
But I do, I, I do see how the, the situation is similar. And I think what's going to happen is people are just going to want YouTube beats less and less. And they're going to want beats that they're going to typically go for less beats that, you know, other people have access to. And I'm starting to see the change right now. And it's because of stuff like that. Which is interesting because these situations are rare. And your situation where you ended up signing a publishing deal and and um, selling the master rights to, to a label for the Ten Toes beat, um, obviously the label and the publisher saw how viral the beat was going and they right. wanted to make some money off of it. That makes sense. That's what they do. Right. Um, but in my situation too, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, you're in good. My situation, I'm still the artist on the beat, so that's where it differs too. That's true. That is a that is a distinction we need to make. Um, but just to be clear, so those labels didn't cause problems. Sony and Universal did not cause problems for the people who already licensed the Beats, right? Oh, uh, maybe it could have, but that that beat wasn't um highly licensed either because it was when when I learned about it kind of went viral when I was learning about licensing. So I didn't, re- I didn't really get to lease it as much, but it did go out a couple of times, but, and it's a couple of people that I know of personally that was mad, you know, and I had to talk to them and, and let them know that, you know, that the lease don't give you rights to YouTube. You know what I'm saying? But if you just went to Spotify and iTunes to put your song out, you still can live out that lease, but you know, that lease don't give you rights to upload to YouTube and SoundCloud. That's what people get real mad about when they can't upload their song to YouTube or SoundCloud. Because of the content ID situation. Right. Yeah, and I think there's a... I mean, I think they could upload it there. They just can't do it through a distributor where they claim that they own right. all the rights. Right. They just, they just don't have the right to it because on YouTube and SoundCloud, there could be only one rights owner to anything. So. Yeah, so so they they could upload it to YouTube, but the label that owns the beat is taking right. their, their monetization money. Right. And when yeah, they, which is they, just, they, yeah. they, they they consider that a strike. So they like, I got copyright strike. So it's it's not a strike, but they it's not a strike. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. It's not a strike at all. That happens to all of us. When we, I mean, it happens to me for my own music, just because another label or a distributor is claiming um, the content ID, and it, it, it's annoying. And sometimes right. I'll dispute it, but if it's a situation where I'm getting the money eventually anyway. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't really, I don't see an issue with it. But yeah, it, um, I think a lot of it is just uh, the fact that a lot of us don't know the music business. And so you're right, you know, when somebody sees one of these content ID situations, they they, they overreact right. because they think, like you said, it's not a copyright strike but they consider it one. It's not legal action necessary. I mean, it is, but it's not, it's just not serious. You can still use that song. You can still. So do you find yourself having these conversations with a lot of uh, recording artists who get your beats? And then do you find yourselves yourself doing a lot of educational outreach to to the artists that do license your beats? Yeah, I do. And for my beats, I try to make it easy by not copywriting anything myself. So if I have a beat out on YouTube, I'm not copywriting everyone's channel. I'm only copywriting on, I'm only um, monetizing on my channel. So if so, if someone comes and be like, hey, I got copyrighted, I'll let them know, hey, this is non-legitimate, and just dispute and say that this is a non-legitimate copyright strike. This person does not own um, this beat, you know. Yeah, and that's that's what I tell people too, especially given that they have a a license. That's why I like BeatStars because it's just automatic. And I say, yeah, right. do, you, do you have a copy of a license agreement? Yeah, okay, cool. We'll use that. Right. Um. So there are people out there who are offering these buyouts to producers with with popular beats. Like you said, you're going to see a lot more of that happening. Um, what advice do you give to producers out there when dealing with these new challenges? I mean, someone comes and offers them a thousand dollars, which might be more money than they've ever seen, but they want all the rights to the beat. What would you tell those those producers? Uh, I say no, unless I mean, unless your situation, you know, 
depending on your situation. Because, you know, if your situation is not the best at the moment and you can use that thousand dollars, I've done that before, you know. You know, I'll give it to you, especially if it's a beat. I'm not going to miss. If it's not, if that beat is not making me money elsewhere anyway, you know, I, I would do it sometimes. But for the most, I'll take my 50. Like, I need my 50 every time. Yeah, I, I know the conversation that, that Dame and I had this morning on the podcast with the artist uh, Caleb Hearn. Who got wrapped up in the in the goldsmith uh, snare? He um, said that the producer felt pressured to sell the the rights uh, to his beat, and it was interesting because the song was going viral, so it was getting millions of of streams. the The problem is though. So let's say you let's say I were a, a rapper, right? And I I license a beat from you. All of a sudden, I'm getting you know I got a million streams on Spotify, and it's just growing. You're probably not going to see that money for a while. So you might start getting impatient and thinking, all right, I'm not seeing any money off of this track because you know those royalties take a while to to get even processed and then sent to you. Someone comes along, offers you $1,500 for the beat, and um, you might want to take that, not knowing that the royalties coming in are going to be, you know, triple that, but it, but they're going to come in months later. What, what's your advice for us? Now that you know what you know about the music business, what's, what's your advice to a producer who may find themselves in that situation? Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Like, especially, like, if, if it's already going viral, you see traction. Like, that's already an, an asset for you now. So you already have the upper hand right now. Like, they need you for for them to get paid. You see what I'm saying? So in nine months, when your checks start rolling in, they, they need you for their checks to roll in because BMI is not going to be, be happy until everyone's on the same page. So producers, what you're saying is they have a lot more influence than maybe they appreciate. Definitely, you got you got you got the power. If if someone went viral on your beat already, they're gonna give you whatever you ask for. Ultimately. So what what are some lessons that you learned? I know you you kind of alluded to reflecting back on the the Tento's success and and just you know having to grow and learn, given the success and given all the the offers and challenges that that you handled uh, throughout that first couple of years, what were some of the biggest lessons you learned about the music business as a producer? Um, I think understanding just, uh, the, the master and the publishing thing was just pretty much, you know, like the, the main thing you need to understand because it was like speaking Spanish, trying to understand that. But, you know, you guys explain a lot of that, you know what I'm saying? And, when I started, I didn't have those videos explaining, you know, what the mastering was and what the publishing was. So mine was, you know, through experience. So not being able to own the the masters to 10 toes and would still be making money on the master side on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Like that was a lesson learned for me. And I know how to move forward. And even when um like the situation with um like the LaCale song, like, I didn't even have the five hundred dollars at first to uh, to give the lawyer because that's, that's what he do to even get started with your stuff, my lawyer. And I just had to come up with it because I knew my lesson from the first time where I was like, you know what, I ain't got no money for a lawyer. I'm just gonna sign. You see what I'm saying? And by me just coming up with that five hundred dollars and paying that lawyer, it had saved me a lot of headaches and a whole lot of money. Mm. So we got a, a couple questions coming in. I don't, I'm not, no. Uh, Matt Perry wants to know about your experience with the, with the publishers who, which is Sony and, and you can now, um, work with Sony in an admin capacity via BeatStars. But, uh, did the, the labels and publishers help the beat stay hot? How did they add value, um, and life to the beat once they purchased it from you? No, they didn't, they didn't do anything as in marketing or making it stay hot, but, um, they just made sure I got my money and, as with the admin deal, it was like some of this stuff is just too much to try to understand on your own. So if you can get a good old admin deal with 15% or something like that, like I would just say do it because they're going to get you your money in on time. So. Mm. 
And someone said, get a day job or side hustle till those checks roll in. And then you did do that. So I know a lot of people here right now watching us didn't necessarily see the first conversation or the second conversation we had. But what was your strategy as you were exiting a career that you actually did love and it was a lucrative career? Um, what was your strategy for for saving money what was your strategy for investing money into your business so that once you quit you did feel confident in that decision well back then i wasn't even investing early on it just my bubble got beat started outweighing the it because i the, the beat 10 toes went viral in 2016 june 2016 and i quit my job in august 2018 so by June 2017, I was already making more money online with Bubba Guy Beats than I was making at my regular job. So it just got to the point one day I was just like, you know what, I don't need to do this. So I just left. Okay. So, but did you have money saved up? Not really, to be honest. I didn't have money saved up. I just had the checks. It was just constantly coming in. And that was just BeatStars money then? No, it was um, B Stars. YouTube, YouTube is um, YouTube was one of my main um, main um, in- sources of income for a long time. So YouTube was a big one. And you're just talking about about uh, YouTube monetization. Yeah, just monetization. Yeah. Okay, so and that was a big source of income, huh? Right. How many uh, how many views total does your channel channel have right now? Um, 80 million, a little bit over 80 million, I believe. Okay. So at what point did the money start really coming in? How many views was it that you, that you first started really seeing that financial uh, progress? Well, the first, the first, I believe my first YouTube check was over three, three grand because by the time I finally got my first YouTube check, 10 toes was already kind of like pulling up and then a 10 toes ended up getting to like ten to 15000 a month, you know what I'm saying? And that's why I say I kind of regret selling that master because they, that's, they took all of that. So everything, 10 toes was generating every month, they took it. So then it, I say I, I was at a consistent five k a month, you know what I'm saying? So you were making 5000 a month off of the 10 toes beat? No, like just it, was like, it was like ten to fifteen k a month with 10 toes and oh. my piece. And when they removed okay. 10 toes, I was only making like 5K a month. Got it. Um, and how much did they pay for 10 toes for the master? Uh, the master? I always get it confused because one, it was 15. 15,000. 15 for the master, and it was 10 for the publishing. Or okay. one of the two. Okay, so you, going back, you might have asked more for the master or maybe just not sold the master, but the I publishing was all good. Yeah, I wouldn't have sold the master at all. You would have just taken the publishing deal with Sony, not the master. Got it. Um, Let's see. Question, kind of unrelated, but do you have any uh, sound kits available? No, I was thinking about making some, but, you know, I don't want to be one of those producers that's swiping sounds to make a sound kit. So when I I get to to that level, I definitely will be releasing some. Well, then let me ask you this. What are some of your favorite sound kits? What are some of your go-to kits and VSTs right now? Well, I use Contact and Omnisphere mainly for my VSTs, and for sound kits, I use what's his um, what's his name with the producerplug.com. I use a lot of his kits. I forgot his name. And then, so your main, well, I'll talk about this later. Um, with the plaque that you got behind you, did the label send that, or did you have to go through Jewelbox or DJ? No. No, I had to go through two of they, they probably would have sent it because I was um I was initially gonna like sign with them, but then I decided to stay by myself. And um when they started buying everyone labels that was a part of the song, they didn't get me mine, so I had to go over to mine. Yeah, I don't I, I know very few producers. I guess I don't personally know any producers that just got the plaque sent to them. Maybe I do, but it was through a publisher, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I know when they got the plaque sent to them off of that song, so mm. well I, I I don't fall under that category, so <laughs> I pay my pay my two seventy five. Um I, I've noticed with a lot of YouTube channels, especially producers YouTube channels, 
that they have these amazing rises and then it feels as though the YouTube algorithm kind of stops favoring them and, and even their own subscribers begin begin to become way harder to reach. Right. Um, have you noticed any any drops or any rises in, in reach that, that either make sense or don't make sense? Um, yeah, I definitely noticed it. I mean, I was getting like um, like 50, 50 to 100,000 per video, you know what I'm saying? To now it's like 10,000 is like the average, you know, so... It's definitely a difference, and um, I haven't even always figured it out yet, you know. So I'm actually looking to do different things to try to revamp those numbers because, you know, I have 300 and some thousand subscribers, and I hit about 10k of them, and I need to hit more. Yeah, that's that's always a frustrating thing, and I remember it happened, you know, with Facebook when you used to be able to reach you know, 20 to 50% of your, your followers. And I think all social media are like that. Now Instagram has gotten hard. I don't know if you've noticed that with Instagram too. Right. Right. And that's why, um, like some of these engagement groups work too. Like if you not, not those spammy ones, like you got to get a, a good one, you know, some of them will work if you're working with some good people and people actually, you know, messing with your stuff, not just, you know, leaving fake stuff on your, um, under your post. So okay, let's let's talk about that then. What is what is an engagement group? What's the purpose of an engagement group, and and how how can an engagement group benefit a producer? All right. So I'm gonna go on the YouTube side because I see a lot of people do IG engagement groups, and we're pretty much in a group where if you post something, you post it in the group, and everyone else in the group they'll just like your stuff and they'll comment on it, and you do the same for the next person. But I'm doing it on the YouTube side. But instead of just doing it like that, I have rules to the group where, you know, you can only do once a week. You know, you have to watch a minute of it, you know, give real feedback, like it, comment, subscribe, you know, and do the same for the next person. And to try to hold that together, I do classes every Sunday to, to teach everyone how to properly upload so we can be all on the same page and then kick the bad eggs out. So when we get a, a steady 40 to 50 people, we just got our engagement to and we only using that engagement to get in the um the youtube algorithm like for example i'm not sure if my boy faro is still in here last sunday he uploaded uh what was it uh jack harlow type beat and we used the youtube engagement group and if you typed in jack harlow alone it was like the, the second one down you know what i'm saying with only 100 views on it so that's kind of what we're doing in there how did he optimize his video? What, what was some advice you gave him as he was, you know, writing the description, writing the title, coming up with the keywords? A hundred percent TubeBuddy. So in there we discuss how to use TubeBuddy. So with TubeBuddy, we always go and first we do research on the keyword we want and find the keyword for, for the channel. And once we do research on the keyword and we find that keyword, we'll go and use the SEO studio to build the title description and tags for you. And that's the SEO studio component within the TubeBuddy plugin, right? Correct. Okay. And how many how many keywords are are good? Would you say? And how do you determine what a good keyword is? Well, I always want to do some similar related to first thing you want to do something related to what you're actually doing. So when people click on it and they don't click right off and be like this is not what I wanted, then YouTube will punish you for that. So SEO Studio has a tool where It'll show you, it'll tell you exactly what it wants, and it'll turn green once you get it. And I just don't go to the next screen until everything is green. Like they'll say, put um, put your keyword in your title, put your keyword in the first 60 words in your title, um, use your keyword in a natural sentence in your description. They'll tell you what to do step by step. And you just go and you keep trying stuff until everything is green. When everything is green, you go to the next screen. And they will tell you your score. And if you leave out of that SEO score with like a 95, you will rank if you have a 90 or above. And so this is the stuff that you teach in your Clubhouse engagement group. Right. It's not on Clubhouse. The engagement group is on Instagram, but we do it on Zoom. We may end up moving to something, you know, saying more better. It's just Clubhouse is where I'm meeting the people that that's, that are in there. You know what I'm saying? He asked about what am I doing on Clubhouse, and that's just what I what I've been doing on Clubhouse. 
Okay, got it. So it starts on Clubhouse, and then the actual group happens elsewhere. Right. So if anyone wants to be a part of a group that has nothing to do with Clubhouse, they just hit me up. Okay, they just contact you at Bubba Got Beats on Instagram. Yep, and I'll just add them to the Instagram group, and they'll get the links every time we go live. Okay, got it. Uh, we have more questions coming in. Um, he says he's still there. Shout out to the engagement group. Right, Faro. Faro. Where am I? Oh, uh, Trax Phantom wants to know what your points were with the Universal deal. Um, on the for the on the master. Yeah, I, yeah. I guess that's the because the mechanical rate is statutory. So, wh- how many points? Three. Three points. Yeah, that's that's average, right? In my experience, that's no, average. It's not. Well, I oh, thought no. it was average, but my lawyer would tell you it's fifteen. Fifteen? Yes. Oh, for an artist? No, you're right. I'm thinking in terms of of someone who just made the beat, but you were the artist. No, no, no. For ten toes, it was with Universal. It was three. It was three points. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying because you were the artist, because they signed you as the artist and the producer, right? I no, mean, it, was, it was three points because I didn't know any better. But, you know, my lawyer, he's going to go for 15% if he's... No, but I'm saying if I was... So three points, if I sell a beat to a label, usually they're going to offer me three points. Mm-hmm. But if I'm an artist signing to a label, I'm getting 15, 16 points. And because in your case, you were a artist you weren't Mm -hmm. signing as just someone who made a beat for an artist on their label right it's they actually signed you so you should have yeah you should have gotten more points my bad this is this is why um this is why i have people like carl folks and adam friedman on here because uh and bubba because there's a lot uh i don't i don't always think about uh with the music business is there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot and especially with these agreements there's just so much going on in some of them um anyway uh purple house wants to know if you work with r&b producers is there discrimination by genre in your engagement it's producers it's artists it's people that do podcasts in there so if you're a youtuber and you're serious about it you know just come in there got it all right um so that beat kid wants to know is three points like three percent yes pretty much it's three percent of the master so when the song goes you're getting um three percent of the mechanicals and you're getting three percent of the what is it what is um song exchange considered i think it's just considered its own thing i know it's a non-interactive royalty yeah and that will be part of that three percent Oh yeah, because that's anything on the master, any royalty on the master side. So, right. um, do you find that even beats that don't go viral on YouTube still get a lot of sales for you? Um, yeah, it's people now. People are trying to be more specific. People are digging through the catalog to find stuff that like other people aren't using. So now I'm trying to switch my strategy of not just uploading YouTube beats and just start uploading straight to Beat Stars and just market it through IG. And then maybe I'll do something else on YouTube. I just haven't figured it out yet. So, but it's definitely people like like beats that aren't viral now for some reason. So, what are what are some strategies that you're employing on Instagram to market your beats? Well, I, the last post I just posted was my first. Like I'm just now changing it up because I, I posted a beat on YouTube last week, and then. You know, I was in my head one day on Instagram, and I was like, no more YouTube beats in my story. And um, so now I'm just trying to switch it up and find a different way to engage people to get them to beat stars, just so I can just have more quality clients, you know what I'm saying? Not just a whole bunch of leases, I'm trying to sell more exclusives, you know what I'm saying? Have less problems like that. And not that, you know, the internet wave is not a... Um, a good way is just I feel like I've already done a lot of that and I need to try to transition a little bit so uh, at this point where would you say most of, of the traffic to your Stars page is, is coming from is it still YouTube or are yeah, you starting it's, to it's, see it's, it's still YouTube I, like I said I was still uploading last week this this is a brand new week and I'm just like now I'm trying to like change things up but up, to, up until last week I was still uploading 
Are you noticing any specific styles or types of beats uh, that are selling particularly well lately? No, I don't. Just because I don't really make tight beats, I just kind of make my style of beats for you know my style of audience. And my 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 beats have already had, always been very had a very um, small niche, so. But I, I don't. I haven't. But it's an easy way to figure that out too, buddy. You just do keyword searches on YouTube, and you will see what you know people. If you use TubeBuddy keyword, like YouTube TubeBuddy keyword search and learn how to use it, it's free. And it will teach you like what's trending on YouTube and what people are looking for. Yeah, I actually had um, Andrew from TubeBuddy on here, and he gave a whole tutorial on how to do the keyword research and how to use the SEO uh, studio function. So for those of you who haven't seen that, it's on all of BeatStar's social media. It's also on my YouTube channel. Um, Andrew Khan from TubeBuddy uh, is featured in the video. It's really helpful. I mean, obviously, I you know, how else do you find that kind of information to optimize your videos without a plugin like TubeBuddy, right? right. Uh, okay, so let, I want to talk about your 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 sound because, like you said, it's it's very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, and granted, they've evolved over the years. I mean, you've changed the sounds that you've used a little bit. You've changed the the rhythms. You've experimented within the bounds of what what your your core sound is. But you still stick to piano as your main instrument. You like moody chord progressions. Why do you stick to a chord sound? Because that's what I that's what I hear in my head when I sit down at the keyboard. Like, like I hear like I kind of like start humming and stuff, and I'll like I, I want to be on. I have fun with like sometimes I'll make a trap beat, and I'll start clipping stuff in, and I'll get to making it. And halfway through the beat, I realize it's like I'm not having fun. You know what I'm saying? I don't like it. So when the, when the chorus and it's like my I feel it, you know, then I I'm I'm enjoying the process. So. I like making beats with chords. Like if if it doesn't have a chord progression, I can put the the claps and the drums for you, but I'm not gonna enjoy it probably. Do you think that's important for you to love your beats before uploading them and, and giving them to the world? Yeah, I do. I do think so. Like my whole thing before I uploaded my first beat was I was I was gonna make them so good that they were gonna be like undeniable. And my first two beats that I posted both have a million views already. And that was from 2016. How did you label those beats back then? I mean, for the, for the first two to go viral like that, that's impressive. It was a, the never fold beat and the 10 toes. It's just the same little, I, I got on photo blend and power director on the Android. And I just threw something together and made a little video clip. And is that still kind of your your strategy now? Obviously, that's it's changed a little bit, but the right, way you make videos, yeah, I just changed it. Like I was always told, like when I started making my YouTube video based off of my the way I was running my ass, and when I was running the ass, I was always told like make sure you have movement in the first five to ten seconds. So that's how I do all of my videos. Like as long as they have that first movement in the beginning, you know what I mean, to let them know that it's a moving image, then you know you're good. Someone asked when was your first post, but I believe you said it was 2016, right? Yeah, 2016. I uploaded my first beat. I had no followers on Facebook, and I had, what, 300 followers on Instagram. What do you think think grew your Instagram following? Because obviously you have a lot more than than 300 followers on Instagram today. What, What did you do to grow that following? Well, when I when I started my Instagram... I, I strictly started growing it off of all the people that was already rapping on my beats. Like it was so many of them on the internet, like under the, the hashtag 10 toes challenge. And then it was like hashtag Bubba got beats had more posts than I had followers. So I just started reposting people and I would, you know, repost the good ones and then I would tag them. And then they were like, Oh, this is the producer, you know, and then they would share me and their story. Like this is the producer that made the beat. And I just kept doing that and kept doing that, and it just grew. Yeah, I noticed you even do that on your YouTube channel where I think it's just if someone records a song to your beat that you like, you'll share it. Right, right. If you do a song to my beat, it's like, and I like it, like, we we friends now. Like, I'll post it, you know what I'm saying? So, What are some other ways that you add value to your customers um, when they buy your beats? Um... 
I haven't done too much, but I mean, I guess just be, being there for them, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of times uh, when people buy beats from me, like, they'll buy the beat, and like, I don't know who they are until the song comes out. When Like, we'll have a whole conversation about it, about the, the business of the beat, and then months later, I hear the song, I'm like, man, that was you that I talked to, you know what I'm saying? So... So you're you're pretty responsive then. Yeah, I'm pretty responsive. If you hit me, I have my my Gmail um, notification turned on my my watch and my phone, so I get everything. How do you balance staying on top of your your inquiries and emails and DMs and all that with making music uninterrupted? Um, certain things I check more than others. Like I always check my email. I'm not always going to check Instagram, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, I don't put my time into places where I get a lot of spam, which is, you know, Instagram and Facebook, probably the most, the bigger ones. So I don't go through the message request too much. Sometimes if I got time, I will. But um, if you want to contact me, bubbagotbeats.com is always going to be the best way. So we have another question coming in. Uh, from Bufo, he wants to know if you use email marketing, and if so, how many subscribers did you have when you started? Um, I do use email marketing. It hasn't been super effective for me. I have about 25, 2,500 people on my on my list, and when I started, you know, I had zero, of course, and um, it hasn't worked the best, but I haven't really maximize what I could be doing with email marketing, you know what I'm saying? Because the few times I've done it, it I do things that yield results. Like if it don't yield results, I don't spend too much more time on it. So I tried a couple times and it didn't do great for me. So now I just I don't bother it too much. Um oh, someone wants to know when did you register as a company after you started in twenty sixteen? Well, I registered as a company as soon as you, soon as I started my publishing company under BMI. So the first thing I did was I registered for BMI as an artist, you know, which is free. And then to register as a publisher, um, I don't believe you have to, but I wanted I wanted it to be under my LLC. So I just did it both at the same time, which I believe you can register as a publisher and put it under your social as a sole proprietor. Have you said that word? Yeah, but, so, uh, sole proprietorship. Yep. Yep. But I wanted to go ahead and since I knew I was going to have Bubba Guy Beast under LLC, I wanted to create the LLC first so that I could have the EIN when I registered for my publishing under BMI. Yeah, because it'll just make it. I, and I think I did that all in reverse order. Like I had my my publisher years before I ever even thought about registering an LLC, um, which I don't think caused many problems, but it was it's just a little confusing if I had to put it all together. So I think you, you were a lot smarter than I was. Um, so I want to talk about this record that has the potential to go viral, but it's growing. It's the pop-out record. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, tell me about that, because it seems like you're a little more active and involved in that in that process. Yeah, man, that song go crazy, though. Like, soon as I, when I first heard that song, it was like, you know what I'm saying, it just had me lit. But, um, yeah, Pop-Out Man, it's a song with um, my boy Set for Life featuring The Real Calamar. Set for Life, he's a, he's a new artist, and this was really his first song, first release. And the real Calamar, he's a, he's he's been around. He was a part of um We Are Tunes, which is a group that created the Nene Dance. So um, Set for Life Trip, which is the, the main artist on the song, he posted it on Instagram, just a, a clip of it. And he filmed the beat on YouTube as well. And I heard it, and I let my boy Faro hear it, and we was like, man, we got to make this a, an official record. So we just reached out to him and was like, all pulled together and was like, take the beat off the internet and we're going to push this record because we all love it. And man, it's been, it's been a journey with this record, you know, from the video to everyone that wants to be involved. It's been dope. And Faro co-produced it? Yeah, he co-produced it and he also engineered it. Yeah. Okay. So he was in, in contact with the artist before you were. Well, he actually, um, the real Calamar, which is um, who created the Nene Dance, is actually Faro's friend, you know. And um, me and Faro, we've been we've been working every every week since 2016, so we we're pretty tight. So we just brought it all together. Hey, pop out! 
Yeah, because I heard that song and I was like, damn, I, I kind of assumed that it was already viral. But what is it at right now? Twenty, thirty thousand on YouTube. It's at twenty, it's at 20k on um, Spotify and on YouTube. I don't, I believe it's on probably a couple, couple thousand on YouTube. Yeah, it, I, I feel like that's one of those songs that you know maybe four months from now you, you can just imagine seeing at a million. What what kind of marketing are you doing is that something that that's new for you taking taking that much of a role in a, in the marketing process of a of a song yeah for sure i mean it, it's new for all of us so we try to have um meetings and stuff and you know try to all come to the same page but um i think that song is more of a song that has to be marketed on the streets you know what i'm saying and then kind of brought to the internet so we try to do a lot of things like shows and um Interviews we have it on FM radio in in, in three states, so we, we're trying to run it that that way, and then we want to make it go viral on the internet. I don't know. I feel like that's the type of song that could just become a big TikTok song. Yes, and we try. We've actually we've actually spent probably about a thousand dollars on TikTok alone from you know different influencers, but you know yeah, it, it's about having the right one too. And having the, the right content because the content don't always have to be a dance. It just you know it could be anything. So it's just finding that. Yeah, the c word. That's kind of that's kind of the key always, isn't it? Right. Um, we're running out of time. I want to ask you a couple questions. Uh, this is a big one. So when you're making a beat, when do you know that that beat is done? Um, I kind of know all my elements and my beats. Because when I make beats, as long as it's, I have the, the main progression, whether it's, you know, one chord or five, and a melody that, a melody and a counter melody to, to switch the mood back and forth, and then the drums, like, so usually I go in that exact order. Like, I'll start with my chords, melody, and then drums, and then I'll play everything in a loop over and over, and then... Like I don't, I don't keep, I don't keep going. Like you want, once you tell the story of your beat, you know what I'm saying? Then get out of there. Like you don't want to keep adding stuff in there. Yeah, that's always easier said than done for a lot of us producers. When you first started making beats, did you add too much, or did you just always know to keep it simple? I think I've always kept it simple because um, the type of beats I make are kind of you know simple. And the the type of things I like. So, and when I first started making beats, I was making them to rap over, and for other people to rap over. So I was specifically making. It was really open back then. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. I guess maybe maybe that's the key. You have to think like a rapper as you're making the the beat. Right. Or at very least consider the rapper. Um, what's your advice to beat makers out there who? want to make beats that people actually want to rap on? Well, first off, I would say you got to find your niche. And if you're close to it already, I said keep on working on that. You know what I'm saying? If you like, if you're working on piano, if that's your sound, take some piano lessons. You know what I'm saying? If you're heavy on tra- on trap, you know, take some percussion lessons. You know what I mean? But um, if you haven't found your niche, I, you have a, you're in a good spot because now you can, you can just research what's popping. You see what I'm saying? And once you research what's popping and you start doing that, like you'll start finding your way and finding what you do that's different from them. And even if you start off copying them, that's okay. Like you'll start finding what you do that's like that you like when you hear it. You see what I'm saying? And you, you just keep repeating that. Okay. Uh, congratulations to, I don't know if we're calling him KU or we're calling them cool, but congratulations on your first sale either way um thank you for your time and energy bubble yeah i I echo that we we do appreciate your time um one more time how do people follow you how do people check out your youtube and how do people contact you um bubba got beats on all platforms bubba got beats with a z if you hit me on instagram i will hit you back you know um I always follow my producers back anyway, even, you know what I'm saying, no matter what. If I see your producer, I'm going to always show love back to you. But um, I'll definitely get back to you. And Bubba got beats on YouTube and all other platforms as well. 
I appreciate everyone tuning in. I'll be back same time, same place next Thursday with uh, Carlton Banks and uh, another special guest. And Carlton Banks is the guy who produced a, a bunch of Moneybag Yo's uh, hit records. So I'm really interested in talking to him because when we first met online, it was through the Dobe situation, rest in peace. And he was the one who filmed and directed the video um, that I produced for Dobe. So this will be an interesting conversation. Um, Carlton, not Carlton, but I mean, it's probably a play on the Fresh Prince character, but it's K-A-R Carlton. Um, anyway, so appreciate you, Bubba. Follow him at sure. Bubba Got Beats. Um, check out BeatStars.World to stay up on all of the opportunities happening at BeatStars. It's it's one of the most supportive platforms, the most supportive platforms for, for producers. I'm saying that not as a representative of the company. I'm saying that as an end user. So um, that's that's on TJ Payne one. That's not on them. Uh, but that's that's my opinion. I, I'm sure. Any one of us who are making a living literally off of BeatStars can agree with that. Uh, so appreciate them. BeatStars.world, MusicEntrepreneurClub.com. On Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Dame will be here. Uh, so we do this twice a week. It's always free. Shout out to BeatStars for making that possible. And I will catch you then once again, Bubba. Thank you. I appreciate right, you. Have a, have a great weekend. Peace, everyone.